Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. This week, I'm back with Polly and we're doing our second session looking at Myers-Briggs personality types. So last time we did kind of a general introduction and gave a bit of information about that. So one of the things about Myers-Briggs is that there are four different sort of elements of personality that Myers-Briggs looks at. And we're going to look at one of those today, which is the difference between extroversion and introversion. We all have a preference for either extroversion or introversion. We all do a bit of a mixture of both, but we have a preference for one or the other. And the way that introversion and extroversion is understood in Myers-Briggs terms, if you have a preference for extroversion, then you have a preference for focusing on the outer world of people and activities. Whereas somebody with a preference for introversion will have a preference for focusing on the inner world of ideas and experiences. And you notice that if you see people who are introverts and extroverts. So somebody who is an introvert will get most of their energy from their internal world. Whereas somebody who has a preference for extroversion will get most of their energy from the external world. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that somebody who has a preference for introversion will want to work out what they think about something and how they're viewing the world internally. And having worked that out to a certain degree, they will be ready to share that externally with other people. Whereas somebody with a preference for extroversion is much more likely to want to work out what they think by talking to other people and expressing their ideas in the world. And having expressed those ideas, they will have a much better clue as to what they think about them. So that gives you a sort of a brief overview. I'm wondering, Polly, is there anything that you would have to add to that at this point? Something that came to mind is if if you've ever been to a meeting, to a certain extent, the introverts are the ones that perhaps need a bit of time to think about what's being discussed before they want to contribute to the meeting. The extroverts potentially could be the ones that jump straight in saying, well, we could do this or we could do that. Or how about this? And has anybody thought about that? And it's one of those things when you start reading stuff about management, there is always this thing that sometimes the best idea in the room may come from the person who takes the longest to actually express it because they're needing to sit there and think about lots and lots of stuff. But they will think about something and and then speak it. I think that's probably quite a good example. Yes, I think it is. Yes, I'm just remembering that I had a friend who, when she discovered that she was an introvert and what that meant, I think she probably always knew that she was an introvert because <laughs> it was fairly obvious. <laughs> but one of the things that she said to me was that having done the Myers-Briggs, she realised that there were other people who formed whole sentences in their heads before they said them. Mm-hmm. I would be somebody with a preference for introversion and that isn't quite how it works but definitely I know that if I'm in a room of extroverts that it can be really difficult to get a word in edgeways. I'm an extrovert but I find that as well. <laughs> I guess you can have too many extroverts in a room so if you've got a couple of people that are very happy to keep on speaking then even sometimes even the other extroverts might struggle to get a word in. Yeah <laughs> certainly. I wonder if this would be a good point to just think about what are some of the myths about introverts and extroverts that might get in the way of understanding which of those you are well this i think when when i first discovered the whole area of myers-briggs this was one of the things
things. It was the introversion, extroversion that probably made the biggest difference to me because it made complete sense of some of the, the struggles. My husband and I, I introduced you to Tom last time and said, we, we are completely different on each strand of Myers-Briggs. And it was Myers-Briggs that, that helped me to understand that. But for example... I've always been quite shy with strangers, but once I know somebody, I will talk quite happily for a long time and I love being with other people. And I just used to think that I was a people watcher, but I actually understand now that I would get energy from just having other people around. And the classic, you know, my kind of classic behaviour is that when I'm in the house on my own, I will have the radio on and I'm not necessarily listening to what's, what the programmes are, but it just gives me that sense that there's other people around me so it, it just helps me to not, you know, I like, I, I like it. Um, but with my husband, he would come home from work, for example, and I would be wanting to know everything that had happened to him that day. And he just wouldn't want to talk. He needed time out to, to sit and, and get, well, I now understand, to get his energy back. But also he would be appear to be very, very confident with strangers when we were going out or if new people came to church and stuff like that. But when it came to sort of being at a supermarket or needing to take something back or having to talk to somebody on the phone, he'd be really reluctant to do that. So there were all these little, little things. I thought that I was introvert and I thought that Tom was an extrovert and it was purely based on this kind of apparent shyness, confidence with strangers. And when I try and explain things now, I know sometimes to other people, extroversion tends to be thought of as being people who are loud and shouty, who are very, very confident, come across very confident. And if, you know, in a worse case situation, they kind of trample over everybody else's thoughts and feelings and don't listen to anybody and, and want their own way. Whereas introverts are sort of seen as being very quiet, shy, wouldn't talk at all sort of people, the one who'll sit in the corner with a book. And I'm an introvert who likes holding parties. Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you're very, you're very sociable in that sense, aren't you? You know, dinner parties and having people around. But I guess that you do it in your own time. You know, it has to be planned in terms of energy and stuff. It has to be kind of a planned activity. Maybe. I... Well, it's interesting because I manage my energy in that kind of context in a number of ways. One of them is that I find it much easier to host a party than to go to a party. Okay. Yeah. Because if I'm hosting a party, then there are automatic opportunities to escape. escape. <laughs> Well, because you can just say, I go I'm to going... the kitchen, I need to go and floss the cat now yeah. <laughs> before the cat comes and does its... Yeah. Yes, I, I need to go yes. and I'll go and get you a drink. Whereas actually, if you if you go to somebody else's party, then there might not be very much escape. One of the things that I think you touched upon was that whole thing about as an extrovert, you're kind of looking for external stimuli. Whereas as an introvert, I don't particularly want too much external stimuli. So I know if I am either very peaceful or a bit stressed, but I don't want any noise at all. Mm -hmm. So I'd be much more likely to want to go into a room and turn the radio off than turn the radio on. So yes, I would manage my energy in a social situation and I would also choose what kind of social situation I would want. So I would much rather have a conversation with a couple of friends in a quiet pub than I would to go to a nightclub mm -hmm. or somewhere that was loud or where you had to kind of fight your way to the bar and talk over people. Because actually that just being in that sensory environment of quite a lot of noise going on can become overwhelming. Mm. I heard about some research once which said that 
and don't take this the wrong way, but that there's sort of more brain activity going on in introverts than there is in extroverts. Okay. So yeah. it's almost like there's already quite a lot of noise in my head, thank you very much. Yeah. So I don't need your noise. I think, again, this is part of the confusion when I first came across this, I think. So I worked out that some of my issue with strangers is because I never learned how to do sort of small talk and how to sort of approach people that I didn't know. Whereas when, when I looked at my husband's upbringing, you know, his, his parents often had people around for drinks. So he learned to do the kind of the, the initial talky stuff really, really well, very, very competently. So we have this thing now that he, he will go and talk to new people. And when he runs out of stuff to do, he then comes and introduces them to the wife. <laughs> so he gives them a little bit of information about about themselves because he knows that I can then take that information and we can then have a much, much deeper conversation because I have that you know massive interest in people and wanting to connect with people. So it's interesting, isn't it, how kind of our upbringing and our experiences make a difference. One of the reasons that I think it's really helpful to talk about this stuff is that we can have ended up trying to be a particular way because mm. we think that's what we ought to be mm-hmm. or have kind of roles placed upon us and expectations of ourselves and when you actually discover what you do have a preference for and how you work and how the other people around us work then that both gives us permission to be ourselves a bit more it also means that we're not expecting the people around us to be exactly like us you can kind of lose some of that be like meism that we sometimes yes. get i have found it quite a lot in the church sometimes because there are particular roles and I kind of discover that people think that they have to be a certain way and they sometimes struggle. I do I do know that Myers-Briggs can be part of some of the training that vicars and lay readers and things like that do in the Anglican church. But I remember having conversations with some of the people when I, I, I was doing a pastoral course and we were talking about things like Myers-Briggs and some of the people, they really struggled to just do the questionnaire and I really think that there is this thing that we get ideas about who you have to be in a certain situation. And I remember one, one of the chats that we had, wasn't it, where we were talking about leadership and how in, you know, in different strands of church, leaders tend to be a particular type of person. And if you're not that type of person, you can be written off potentially as not being leadership and it's not you know leadership is not necessarily the thing we should all aspire to but I think you know we both of us know people who were definitely operating as leaders but to a certain extent unofficially or in a capacity they were doing their leadership in a different in a completely different setting yeah so there is something isn't there about appreciating one another Mm. and learning that it's about all right to be who you are yes On that note, I I think one of the things which is interesting to note, and it comes back to that thing about misunderstandings, Mm -hmm. is that what's happening within us will be influencing what we do. But what we tend to do is to then assume that if somebody's doing what we're doing, they're doing it for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. So before we started recording, we had a conversation with your husband, Tom. And he said, was I familiar with the idea of running out of words? And his lovely description, and it comes back to that energy thing, was of being at work and needing to talk and talk and talk and interact with people all day. And then getting home from work and really not wanting 
to respond to your very loving extrovert, tell me about your day. Yes. And his response was, well, I, I don't want to tell you about my day because I've been talking to people all day and I have run out of words. I have run out of talking. There is none left, so I don't want to do that. But as an extrovert, if you were going to not talk about your day, it would be quite a deliberate act, probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. And quite possibly an act of I am annoyed with you therefore I am not going to talk to you and so that external behavior looks like grumpiness yes but actually it's not it's just a it's it's a need yeah and a need to in the same way as we need oxygen and and food um I think introverts need space yes and quiet it's that absolutely critical and and by contrast, he could easily have interpreted, and it sounds like possibly did on occasions, your desire to talk about your day as being a desire to be a bit annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> because why would you do that when you know somebody needs a bit of space? Well, I think, again, this is why I say once I discovered about the Myers-Briggs and that, that in effect, gave me, you know, a really good reasons why we behaved in these different ways we could then find ways to work it quite happily I would go to meetings quite a lot and I would be away at weekends doing training and stuff like that and people used to say to me well you know does your husband mind you being away from home all the time and I was like absolutely not he loves it you know it's in in some ways it was a secret to us getting on because after you know depending what his job has been at times you know he's been in environments where he's had to use loads and loads and loads of words so you know it's been really good that he's had the weekend or one there would normally be one day of the weekend so I wasn't usually away for the whole weekend but for him to have that space to just do his own thing and to sit and read or to just sit and contemplate and do nothing and to not have to have the radio on (laughs) for example was was really helpful so it was it was definitely one of those things that saved us from having a huge number of arguments I remember when I was married to Andy, we used to have a Friday night argument. So the Friday night argument was that we had both, and it's back to this energy thing again, Mm -hmm. we had both expended quite a lot of energy at work and he wanted to get his energy back from the external world. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get my energy back from my internal world and just having space to be by myself. And so the Friday night argument was, well, what do we do now? Because we both need to relax. And my desire was to possibly go to a quiet pub with a couple of people and have a really good chat, but quietly. Whereas his desire was to go to a noisy pub with lots of friends and then go for a curry. And I'm like, that's just, I can't, don't think I can, I don't don't think I can do that. No. The other thing, I don't know if, if, if any of the people listening have ever watched Big Bang Theory. There is this thing, there's a character in that called Sheldon that you all know who is very, very introverted. Um, it's one one of his things, but they they have this wonderful phrase which I've probably forgotten. But in effect, they had to train Sheldon that sometimes, just sometimes, he had to go out and he had to be friendly. So there was a minimum amount of social interaction that he had to kind of do and that's also been really helpful because it's a way that we can negotiate so there will be certain things that will kind of we don't so much sit down and discuss the week ahead anymore because we you know because we've been married nearly 30 years so I think we've worked some of these things out without having to to do it explicitly if you see what I mean um but certainly initially there would be things like we would think about what was going to be happening in a particular week and we could then negotiate right I need you 
this particular occasion is something that I need you to be at. You need to come and you need to be friendly and talk to people nicely. And and we would kind of talk about what events were in effect compulsory and what events you know he could he could have a rain check, I think the Americans call it, don't they? So so even, you know, things like that and, and both of us being really happy with that because it would mean then that I could go to something and I didn't need to worry too much about what time we finished or when we needed to go home because I would I would be happy to just run with it and t- until it had done it run its course whereas I know that sometimes to things if if Tom's there as well we have this joke now that some of our friends know about as well that we call pumpkin time it's like there is a time beyond which you know we really need to be going home because the energy levels have gone to such an extent that it's it's kind of starts to become critical <laughs> In that sense. But it's just a way, you know, it is a way of maintaining harmony. And because I'm the kind of person that really, really likes harmony, it it just really works. I think in workplaces as well, these things show up. Mm, Yes. So if you're an extrovert, the idea of an open plan office is great. If you're an introvert, it's just really tough. When I became a bit more senior and I got my own office, that Mm. was fantastic because actually it was so much easier to work if I didn't Mm. have to be trying to do it in the middle of a room where there was a lot of other stuff going on. And I don't think that's something which is often considered. And I suspect that these days when there's quite a lot of homeworking going on, that that will be something that will really make a difference for people. Well, certainly in our house. I mean, I know that I, I really missed, you know, I know there was contact with people on Zoom, but it just... For a full-blown extrovert, it just isn't the same not having the warm bodies around. It's like you can make the best of it by talking to people, phoning people, stuff like that. But I think for the full experience, there is something about having those other bodies Mm. in the room as well to do with the interaction. But with Tom, I, I just knew there was no way that Tom would want to go back into an office. And fortunately, the place where he worked, other people had been moved into the space that they used to occupy. So he's been able to stay working from home. We have a lot more conversations, I would say, at the end of a working day now to what we used to have, just because he's not got that pressure of just the noise because even if he wasn't talking to people so it wasn't so much that he'd, he'd always, always that he'd used all his words up but it was just the energy that it took having people chattering in the background and you know having music on and hearing other people on the phone and all of those sorts of things that it, it just I mean I guess you could attest to this it, it just de-energizes you it saps energy you know, it's like having too many windows open on your screen. <laughs> so it just saps your energy, e- even when, you know, nothing appears to be happening in that sense. So, yeah. yeah. So one of the things, one of the things that I have discovered later in my life, really, is that how tidy my house is makes a difference to the amount of energy that I've got. And I'm sure that some of that is just about the fact that there's not so much to see. So having a quieter sensory environment really helps. Mm. If you go into primary schools quite often I think they get this a bit badly wrong because I don't know whether primary school teachers are all extroverts I love going into primary schools because there's all this brightly coloured stuff everywhere which is exactly what is really not helpful for some children isn't it but they're not able to express you can't kind of explain why it is that you're always grumpy when you finish school and potentially it's because there's too much too much stuff we did 
our boys both had sensory integration therapy. So there are things from a sensory perspective that Mm. they find difficult. And what really interested me about the sensory integration therapy was that the room was very carefully curated. So there was Mm. not much stuff out Mm. and it felt quite spacious and quite calm just because there wasn't very much stuff. And then you contrast that to walking into their primary school and even walking into reception. At one point, they had kind of created this sort of cave thing where they had covered all of the walls in reception and there was kind of like there was a pretend tree with branches coming over and there was like 90 gazillion things hanging from the branches and then you walk through and every single wall is plastered with schoolwork and artwork and all that kind of stuff and then they had a sensory room which was that but on steroids It's like if you hadn't had enough sensory <laughs> interaction already. Or, or people kind of get the idea about um, creating a sensory space, which is supposed to be calming. And I was talking to an OT once. She said, well, the problem is what people do is that they go online and they buy sensory toys and they buy all of them. Yes. So you go into the sensory room and there's it's like... Full of stuff. It's you full don't, of stuff. You don't know which one to play with. Yes. So there's yeah. like 19 light tubes and some have got bubbles and some have got fish and then there's some yes. quiet music and then there's a piece of black cloth with flashing purple lights on it. I would be very interested, as a random aside, I'd be very interested to know if you could do some research about personality types and the setting that people choose to put their Christmas tree lights on. Okay. Because I would just like them to be on or off. Yeah, not flashing doing 26 <laughs> different. I do not need kind of strobe lighting. It's just too I think much. The, the other thing I think is worth just touching on in terms of how introverts and extroverts come across to one another Mm -hmm. is a thing about sincerity. Yes. And for an introvert, I think sincerity means that you say what you think. Mm -hmm. And so as an introvert, listening to extroverts talking, sometimes somebody will, as an extrovert, will say something and then decide that they don't agree with what they've said, Mm. but they didn't know whether they agreed with what they said or not. Until they'd said it. Until they'd said it. If you're an introvert listening to that, then the only reason that you say something is because it's what you think. So if you are listening to an extrovert saying something and then they change their mind, that can seem quite insincere and quite potentially deceptive. And I imagine that if the fact that extroverts potentially say you might ask them a question and they start replying, they start talking straight away, may make the introvert think, oh, well, you've not thought about this at all because they're expecting you to have a time of silence, perhaps, or say, well, I need to think about that for a bit and then I'll come back to you. Right. It just reminds me, some, sometimes, the comment, again, conversations have a Tom. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> um, is, is this thing where I'll be talking about something and... I can tell that Tom's thinking, well, let, let's go and do that, that. And I'll be like, no, no, this this is not, I'm not saying this is what we've got to do. This is just me rehearsing, practicing, you know, kind of going through the options. So sometimes there is that thing that if he, if he expects me to do what he would, he thinks that what is coming out of my mouth, that that is the final, the final thing. Whereas for me, I'm like, this is just the preamble. I'm just <laughs> kind of practicing. I'm you know, working things. out what I yes, think. Yes. So please don't go yes. and buy me that thing because I haven't yes. decided yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might want something else yes. more than that, even though I'm talking about it a lot. 
I was speaking to my spiritual director the other week and she wanted to know whether I was learning anything new from our conversation because she said, I realise that introverts generally tell you what they already know, which was an interesting comment. Some of the way that I understand the world, I do do extrovertly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do do some of that but that contrast is that contrast though that sense of introverts tell you what they already know to this Tuesday we had a women's group here and somebody said I don't want to bore you but I want to say this so that I can work out what I think about it okay which I thought that's was quite helpful perceptive. isn't it yeah. yes yes it's helpful to know that that's what we're doing at this moment yes, yes. so it might be helpful to tell people that sometimes <laughs> But the other way that the kind of sense that the other person that you're talking to is perhaps not being entirely honest is that I have heard extroverts say, well, I think you're holding things back. Okay. Because as an extrovert, you would just talk about stuff mm. and you would show your workings, if you like. And in the process, from your perspective as an introvert, what your listeners are getting is not just the final result, but also the thought processes that run up to it. And actually, if you were to hide some of that thought process, you would be doing it very deliberately because it's not something yes. that comes naturally. Yeah. So if you are being quiet, you are doing it in order that's, to withhold information. Yeah. So it can be very easy for extroverts to look at the way that introverts interact and potentially think that person is withholding information when actually that's not what's well, happening at all. I imagine as well that in arguments and stuff as well, it has a real, it will have a real impact because potentially, you know, an introvert may appear to be giving you the silent treatment, whereas mm. in effect they've just received a whole load of information that is all completely new to them and they've got to go away and process that against whatever, compare it with whatever information they've already got and, and decide what they think about it, which is not very good, you know, in the middle of an argument when you're trying, you think that you're trying to resolve something perhaps or something like that and somebody just says, sorry, I need to walk off and, you know, or they, they literally might just walk off. Oh, I am. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I think back, it is the case that often as we get older, we kind of grow into our shadow side. Yes. And so I'm a lot less introvert now than I was, than I was in my teens and in my twenties. But the thing which sends me back to a very, very deep level of introversion is if I'm having an emotional argument with somebody Mm -hmm. or if something has impacted me emotionally, then at that point, I just, it's not that I don't want to continue to talk it's that i really literally can't, can't. no yeah. there's there is too much feeling going on i really don't know what i think i need quite a bit of time to sort of unpack that and get to the point where i know and i definitely can't extrovert at the same time as doing that well i think i've i've learned as well to use things like that as a, in myself i kind of use it as a bit of a traffic light system because i i find it really difficult to know whether or not i'm stressed Mm. Um, I just seem to be able to put up with things and put up with things and then something will happen or somebody will say something and it's kind of like I explode and they're like where did that come from or and it would just be because I've just taken it and taken it and taken it so I've learned to kind of use this thing that if if there is a situation and I'm behaving in a way where I wouldn't in a way that I wouldn't normally so I'm being more introvert than extrovert it's a way of me finding "Mm, there's obviously something wrong here or I've there's something going on that's using up so much of my energy that I haven't, I literally haven't got the energy to be 
extrovert. But also I'm glad you mentioned kind of shadow type again as well, because I think sometimes if if you deliberately and I think I, I've deliberately done quite a lot of shadow work. And I think also because Tom is so exactly the opposite of me. I perhaps understand how to operate in my shadow. I've had this role model showing me what, what, <laughs> how to that, be an what that looks like. Yes. So it's like I kind of, yeah. you know, I get a masterclass every day in how to be the complete opposite of who I am. But that takes energy because it's something that you kind of have to think about consciously. Whereas I kind of think that your own preference, the whole idea of this is that when you have everything is so that you can work to your preference, that is you know for either one it's the most energizing because that's the one that you don't have to keep thinking about because it's that thing that comes naturally mm. so again you know if if you and i think it's really good as well for things like work if in a workplace if you find you're, that you're having to operate a lot of the time in a way that doesn't really suit your personality type you can get to the place where you're happy to work in that way but there will be some days where you're like i just haven't got the energy to do that I just want to go and be myself <laughs> and kind of yes. go off with the clown outfit in the you know in the shopping mall or whatever and, and kind of do just be really really extrovert <laughs> <laughs> sort of get it out of your system yes the pattern of what tends to happen under stress is that when you're really when you're not stressed and you're kind of really at your best then you can make longer excursions into the world of your sort of opposite yes. preference yeah. and you can do that more effectively and then as stress happens the more that that's demanded of you the harder that becomes yes. and you get to the point where you really have to kind of hide away in being who you are so well I say hide away as an introvert you can't really hide away as an extrovert unhide as an extrovert but then there does come a point doesn't there when you sort of reach a tipping point and in Myers-Briggs language it's, it's called being in the grip where actually what happens then is that you you suddenly do a really bad version, version. of the other self yes yeah. yeah so there are there have been a few times in my life not that many but there are times when in extreme stress then I would become very shouty loud extrovert expressing feelings that's not something that comes yes. naturally either in a way which is pretty dysfunctional but actually through that experience quite often that quite often unlocks things in you mm. and you do grow a bit through those yeah. but you kind of recognize what's what's happening so there is that sense that if life is more demanding it's really good to be able to spend more time operating in a way that suits mm. you best so I wonder, Polly, what are the things that you do if you need a bit of extroversion time? And then I'll talk about what I do if I need some introversion. So for me, I've had days where I've gone and visited somebody in the morning, for example, gone out and had, you know, we've gone and had lunch and done stuff. And then on the way back, I've popped in to see somebody else because it's their birthday and I'll pop in somewhere. Mm. And and just having all these different different places and just having different interactions with different people. So it's one of the things that I'm able to do in the holidays, which I really love, um, but also in my job, going in, you know, being in a classroom and watching the people come in and then having this kind of interactive conversation with them and and stuff. And if they bring, especially if they bring something up that I wasn't expecting and we just kind of, or I'm just able to, you know, talk and interact mm. and stuff that I find that 
really energizing yeah some sometimes to the point that you know because i've got all sorts of issues with joints and stuff i'll be having such a good time bouncing around the classroom and doing stuff and it do that for two hours and then afterwards when everybody's left the classroom i will suddenly realize <laughs> that actually bits of me are actually quite painful now because i've, I've just been having so much fun mm. that i kind of forget so that but that thing about kind of popping and seeing lots of different people and interacting with a number of different sort of things and and watching life and wanting to be part of it so finding ways of doing that is helpful to you and you did speak earlier in the conversation about the fact that sometimes you'll leave Tom at home and go and yes go and do stuff and go to meetings and things and get a bit of a fill up Mm-hmm. of that time yeah I think I think for me it's really helpful if I can have some quiet and sometimes that's quite difficult to get my kids less now that they're teenagers too, but too quite energetic boys yeah 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 and and less much less so now that they're teenagers and they want a bit more time to themselves which for me as an introvert is marvelous I think one of the things that's taught me how to cope with doing more extroverting actually is the fact that I had a very extrovert husband for 20 years and I've had two quite extrovert kids who've wanted a lot of attention your attention yes but what that has meant is that there's come points when I'm just absolutely full breakdown Yeah. yeah absolutely too much yes yeah so getting time that's just me actually I don't mind going to a coffee shop because there's just enough kind of going on but you can ignore it I don't have to talk to anybody and I yes. certainly wouldn't people watch yes. so I wouldn't go to a coffee <laughs> shop in order to people watch I would go to a coffee shop in order to not be surrounded by my stuff mm-hmm. and to have the opportunity to focus on something quite deeply so I do a bit of writing sometimes and actually having that one thing to think about and to focus on I, I find really helpful which is one of the things we've not talked about actually is the fact that quite often there is a subtle difference between the range of interests that extroverts and introverts tend to have so introverts can be much much more focused Mm -hmm. absolutely and people with a preference for extroversion are more likely to want a variety of different thoughts and ideas and activities I mean I'm not somebody who would focus on one thing exclusively but I do notice that it works better for me if I do one piece of work and finish it and then move on and do a different piece of work and finish it than if I'm kind of flitting around between stuff. It would be good to talk about what we value about the other. I would say that one of the things that introverts bring to the world is a sense of quiet. If you want to go and be listened to, then quite often an introvert will have the edge. I think one of the things that can be quite difficult for me as an introvert is that I'm often not the person who decides what the conversation is about. And so spending time with somebody else who's an introvert sometimes gives me the option of being the person who decides what we're talking about, which otherwise <laughs> which otherwise sometimes wouldn't happen. But when I facilitated groups, one of the things that often happens is that you can potentially miss the contributions of the introverts. And we talked about this at the beginning. But quite often, the introverts, the people with a preference for introversion in the room, will be the ones who have been listening to what everybody else has been saying. And so when you do ask them what they think or what their contribution is, supposing that you create the space to do that, and often it's really important to deliberately make that space for people, often what you will get is something which is really well thought through and quite quite often quite profound Mm. we definitely in our society i think tend to value extroversion over introversion i would say i suppose oh this is the thought that's just come to me Mm. is that i think it's to do with speed 
So I think because society has definitely changed, isn't it? And it's all about the sound bite and the who gets there first and the who's going to be the first one to com- you know, communicate about such and such an event. So obviously extroverts, the kind of media and stuff that we have, it's probably mm-hmm. going to have a lot more extroverts in it because they're, ha- you know, shove a microphone in their face and they're happy to say something straight away. One of the things I would say is that actually if you're an extrovert, um, your best way of reflecting is to sit down with somebody and talk well, then yes, there are lots maybe, of, yeah, it might be that there is an extrovert way of doing the reflecting. Yes. I think going back to what do we appreciate about the other, if I was to think about what do I appreciate about people with a preference for extroversion, a, a really key thing for me would be the energy that mm. that you guys bring into the room and the fact that... The life and soul of the party. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That you can... <laughs> So that I, yes, so that you, you can, can go and hide in the kitchen, leaving your extrovert friends with your other friends, and knowing that thing. they'll talk to them all. But there is something very lovely about kind of having that level of energy. I remember going for dinner with with a family. Everybody in this particular family were introverts, and you, the atmosphere was just like well, there wasn't an atmosphere yeah. because nobody felt the need to say anything and I know I'm an introvert but I was sort of like well why did you invite us right (laughs) (laughs) I could have done this at home whereas if you are if you're in a room where there are some extroverts then actually having people who will bring the energy and immediately have something to say and something to offer that's a really cool thing and Mm. and I hugely value that and the creativity and that kind of ability to to think about lots different things and hop from one thing to another as long as you're not overdoing it but but just don't make it look like a primary school sensory (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely i'll come to your house but not for long yes (laughs) yeah yeah so that's introverts and extroverts and i i think i would say sort of in summing up that we all have things of value to bring absolutely so it's worth just reflecting on what you reckon your preference is and it will be for one or the other whether you have a preference for introversion or extroversion are you getting enough time to spend in your kind of comfort zone where you can function well and if you're not what might be some of the things that you could begin to put into your life that would help you with that Mm. are you feeling obliged to behave in ways that really don't suit you because you feel like you need to fit into somebody else's mold and and how can you sort of let go of some of those obligations and actually if you are an introvert who's being expected to extrovert a lot or an extrovert who's being expected to introvert a lot then just giving yourself a bit of a break if you're finding it hard work Mm. I think is worth even something as simple about insisting that you have a lunch break for example and use that lunch break to go off by yourself don't be tempted just because everybody else goes and sits in the canteen with their sandwiches that's just you know if you're in an open plan for, I, I imagine you know for an ex for an introvert in an open plan office to go and sit in the canteen to eat your sandwiches it's just like no you know go go outside or go you know if you can find a room that isn't in use you know oh. if all else fails go and sit in the sit on the toilet <laughs> i've done that in parties yeah. i used to do that a lot i would sneak off to the loo and then you'd find that you're out with somewhere a book. and well, not quite with a book and then you'd find that you're out somewhere and they were piping music into the toilet no. like no 
don't do this to me. But but it is, and, and and sometimes you know you might need to talk to somebody else. And sometimes I mean I've I've got the 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 book in my Canon that I use the most. It's like a, it's a very thin of the whole in the grip thing, and I find that I use that the most, and I use it with other people the most because I think when it comes to stress, especially, and lots of people are under stress, a lot of it is all to do with this thing because you are you are spending too much time. Trying to be something that out, you're not. Out of, out out of, of your, your preference. Yeah. 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 And hopefully the other thing that this might have given you the opportunity to do is to think about some of the people you're interacting with and are there ways of seeing the way that other people are interacting with you through new eyes and there may be ways that you can communicate a bit more about how you are and how you work. And maybe ask them. I mean, I know yeah. a lot of the time with Tom, I've just said, right, you know, how, how do you... How are you processing this? What? <laughs> oh, okay. Then. Uh, but it is that thing. It's like, you know, ask ask yeah. them, you know, yeah. are they able to explain why they do something? And if you can make it sound like you're asking them, not not as a, why do you do it like that? If you can kind of, you mm. know, do it when you're not frustrated or whatever, in that sense, it, it can be really illuminating. Yeah. In that sense. Well, thank you very much, Polly. That's been thank really you. interesting. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening. <laughs>